In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are called together to join our hearts and our minds in praise and worship. People of God, will you please join me in our call to worship Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that has made us, and we are his. We are God's people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the Lord's gates with thanksgiving, and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to God. Bless the name of the Lord. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. strange to invite us to confession with the spirit of gratitude, but to be honest, we came into this time, and we come into this time right now, forgiven and loved with a simple desire to be better than we are. So gratitude is not such a strange child of confession. Let's go to God in confession. Loving God, you are generous and abundant with your gifts and blessings. Forgive us when we are sour and petulant in our attitude towards all that you provide. 
Forgive us when we are stingy and possessive with gifts intended to share with others. Forgive us when we act as though we are owed special treatment or privilege because of anything we do to serve you. Help us, Lord, to be grateful. Remind us of your life that we might be humble. And empower us, dear God, to be brave in the transformation the Holy Spirit blows into our souls. Amen. Friends, I invite you now into a moment of personal confession in this moment of holy silence. Amen. This is the news, my friends, and it's the good news, is that we can leave our old ways at the door every time we leave here. We can leave them at the door, and we can look forward to the brand new that is us. For I declare to you in the name of this wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, friends, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we prepare to greet one another, we would remind you that our fifth graders and younger are excused to their Sunday school class, and we already have our youth group going on, so if you're a fifth grade and up, please uh, go on over to the youth room. And now let's turn and greet each other with the peace of Christ. Thank you for that warm greeting. It's so good to be together. The scriptures remind us that one day in the courts of the Lord are better than a thousand days elsewhere. I just couldn't agree more. One day together, even in worship, is so precious to us. And to greet each other and to see friends, it's wonderful. Pastor Jack continues to renew and restore. And that's a, a kind of a code for he's on vacation. <laughs> And I think when he comes back, I ought to introduce him as, here's a guest preacher today. <laughs> but today I am very pleased to welcome our guest preacher. I don't think he's a stranger to many of you. Jim has been here before. But Reverend Jim Rauch is um, our guest today in our village pulpit. And he is a longtime uh, friend and colleague 
of Jack's, and I've actually known Jim a very long time as well, and so it's really nice to see him. What a pleasure it is to have you with us. And Jim is certainly a veteran of the Presbytery of San Diego. Not only has he served in several churches here for many years, also moderator of our Presbytery, and it's just a joy to welcome him here today. So, well, let's welcome him. Yeah. So I have three opportunities for us today uh, together to think about making a difference in the lives of children and maybe in the lives of some people who are less fortunate than we are. So the first thing is if you, in your uh, bulletin, I think you got one of these. And I want you to take a look at this. And this is the backpack program that do that every summer. But I don't know if you have grandchildren or children that you remember how important having a backpack was. And for some uh, families, it's too much it really is too much for them to be able to provide that. So we want to be able to provide that through the program with the, the Care House, which is one of our ministry programs. Now, I happen to know that if you go to Costco or Walmart or Target or any of those kind of places, you're going to see all these really cute backpacks, and you're going to say, how could I possibly buy one backpack? <laughs> I know you. You're going, that's what you're going to do. Feel free to buy more than one. And they're not that, they don't really cost that much. And listen, for us to be able to give a child who would not, not normally have one, a backpack, saves them the embarrassment of coming with a pillowcase or some kind of carry bag that they had, um, that they had found in a shelter. So let's, let's step up for that. Now, the whole goal is 100 backpacks. The whole goal for the care house, I think we can do that from this church easily ourselves. So maybe we have a few more kids that we could impact. So that's going on for the next three Sundays. The next thing I want to remind you about is that tomorrow from 1.30 to 3.30 down at the Interfaith Community um, Center in Escondido is at the Interfaith Community Service Center, our mission commission and invites anyone 12 years and older to come and help them assemble sandwiches and make lunches for people who are going to be pretty much living the day out on the street and, and not have any resources for food. So that's another opportunity. And then finally, I just want to let you know that we, all of the loose offering, and if you don't know what loose offering is, it is everything that's in a basket that when you give your offering that isn't in an envelope and it's not marked or designated for something, all of that loose, loose dollar bills and change and all of that, that's going to go towards our Deacon Benevolence Fund. And the Deacon Benevolence Fund are this group of, wonderful group of deacons who, when people come to them in a distressing situation, whether it's in our congregation or in the community, they have a fund that they can draw on to be able to be helpful. Isn't that three great opportunities to be of service to other people? So I think that it's important for us not only in service and not only to see what our church is doing, but to be ambassadors with that information for others who are looking for a way to serve. So now let's just sit back and open our hearts for the word of the Lord as it comes through the gift of music.
As those voices led us to that place, could you not feel your heart just being open? And when your heart is open, you're ready to listen to the voice of God. And when your heart is open, maybe we're ready to speak to God as well. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, all through the night, you have held us in the shelter of your presence. And we give you thanks, Lord of the morning and breaker of the dawn, for allowing us to arrive safely in a new day. And we thank you for the gift of sight, to see the faces of ones so long loved and to behold the smile of an old friend or greet with joy when newly met, we give you thanks. And Lord, we give you thanks for all of our memories, the place where our vanished days secretly gather, our soul, the storehouse that preserves and curates each and every experience and holds them as treasures in the deep recesses. And if you would, O oh God, allow us, without trauma and free of obsession, to pull out our hard and beautiful memories now and then so that we may experience empathy and compassion for the situation of others. We give you thanks for a brand new 24 hours in which we can write a new story. There's a clean page in our book. We can write a story and, and it can be new a story in which we gracefully forgive and mercifully provide and joyfully witness your kindness, your kindness in the world. And it's a brand new 24 hours to reset our sail and let your holy breath blow us in the direction of your will. And when we sail in that direction, and reach that far shore. Oh God, oh God, equip us to be your people in every sense of that holy relationship. Let our feet walk into the places you would walk, the hard places, the ugly places, the places of hunger and despair. We'll go. Let our arms hold those who are in need of being held and let us hold them not just with warmth, but with care and with resources and hospitality and love. Empower us to be bold on behalf of the weak and the vulnerable, the sick, the child that has no backpack to go to school, who stands out as different. Remind us to pray, Lord of Peace, for governments and decision makers, for those who seek a peaceful way forward. And oh God, we pray that as we pray for them, that we might be counselors of wisdom and ambassadors of your purpose. And then I guess we have to stop and we have to say, are we asking too much? Are we God? Are we asking too little? Are we? So guide us in the asking, O oh God, and let us seek moments to listen 
as your word comes to us in the longing of our heart. And in that longing, Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, we remember the words that he taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, now we come before the Lord with grateful hearts as we bring our tithes and gifts and offerings. Let's give with generosity and with humility.
God, you have provided everything that we could possibly need. We know that you need nothing from us, and yet you give us an opportunity to shape our souls in giving and also to build your kingdom here on earth. Thank you, God, for all your gifts, and we pray that these gifts and tithes and offerings will be pleasing to you. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. A reading from the first letter to the Thessalonians. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold on, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. And now a reading from the 50th Psalm. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the air and all that moves in the fields is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and all that is in it is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The word of the Lord. Well, thank you for the invitation to come again here to Rancho Santa Fe and proclaim the, the good news to the congregation and the people of God here. Um, I concluded my work at the church in Escondido many years ago, and for about a year and a half, my wife and I worshiped here. So you become quite familiar uh, over um, these past five years or so. But now that I've been gone for so long from my former church, I can come back and sort of be a non-factor there, if you will, and just worship as a regular person. So my wife Elizabeth and I have been worshiping back in Escondido, but we always appreciate the hospitality and the friendliness of this congregation. So thank you again uh, for the invitation. Well, 
the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the uh, Thessalonians that you heard read, he writes uh, to them a, a lot of things that he wants them to do, but in the middle of it, he says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. We might have heard this idea if we've been in church for very long, and we may forget what a radical idea that is. It, it makes good sense for us to give thanks in good circumstances, but it doesn't make very much sense to give thanks in all circumstances. But one of the core Christian virtues of the, the spiritual life is this virtue we know as gratitude. And gratitude will have a huge impact on all of your relationships. It will have an impact on your personal well-being and on your relationship with God and on the, your relationship with people who come into your life. Gratitude will have an impact on how joyful you are as a human being. Well, you heard also Psalm 50, and I, was, uh, I came to this psalm a, a month or two ago when I was thinking about what I would be preaching here today, and it, it's a very interesting psalm where God says to his people, look, I don't need food, I don't need cows and bulls and sacrifices, that's not what this is all about. What I need from you that's more important than your sacrifices is a sacrifice of thanksgiving, of thanksgiving. Um, you may recall uh, that uh, Samuel the prophet says to King Saul, who's really messed things up, he says to obey is better than sacrifice. But here in Psalm 50, the psalmist is writing to give thanks is better than sacrifice. Thanksgiving is more important than the material offering we bring to God. God gives a warning at the end of that psalm. If you read it all to the end, he says, those of you who forget God, you'll be torn to pieces if you don't watch out. It's a jarring and frightening conclusion to that psalm, but it's clear how intensely God is calling his people to be thankful and to give thanks to God. Well, gratitude comes up, as you know, again and again in Scripture. We heard Psalm 100, and it's not just feeling it in your heart. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Uh, but the thing about gratitude, and maybe why God encourages it so much in the Bible, is that a gratitude doesn't come naturally to us human beings. Maybe it pops up from time to time, but that's why when most of us were young, what did your mother and father teach you? They'd say, what's the magic word? And you have to learn to say, please. And then after they do something for you, they want you to say, what do they want you to say? Thank you. Saying please and thank you. And your parents teach that to you, and hopefully you've tried to teach it to your kids. Because our natural vocabulary is usually just 
give me this and give me that from our, uh, our uh, child vocabulary. And we have to taught. We have to be taught to say thank you. And the Apostle Paul, he says in his letter to the Philippians, I have learned in whatever circumstance I'm in to be content. That's his way of saying it's not something that came natural. I had to learn it. I had to learn about gratitude and contentment. Well, um, we've also been seeing uh, this topic of gratitude. It's here in church in so many of the songs that we sing, but it's also coming up all over the place in articles and periodicals and podcasts and TED Talks and, and, and business strategies, the importance of gratitude in, in, uh, in, in pop psychology as well. Um, and then healthcare, my uh, Presbyterian pastor website, I have to go to and they make me get points so I get a discount or whatever it is. And, and you can get points by doing the modules about being a more grateful person. Why is that? Well, because even the healthcare industry has found this deep connection between gratitude and mental health and gratitude and physical health. So they want us to be grateful. And uh, Christians have been saying this for a couple of thousand years, and finally a lot of other uh, 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 professions are jumping in saying, wow, that stuff that Christians insist on being grateful, that's really important for us to do. And it helps in our businesses too. We're learning about how important saying thank you is in in, uh, a, a corporate culture. Amen? It's true. Well... All right, so for the remainder of the sermon here, uh, I've got two parts. Let's be aware of obstacles to gratitude and then some ways to cultivate gratitude. And if you don't want to be a more grateful person, just work on your shopping list or something right now. But, <laughs> but I, I hope you do want to be a, a more grateful person because it will make your life better. And not only you, but believe me, the other people in your life, if you're grateful, they'll be happier for sure. Well, uh, first obstacle is an obvious one, an obstacle to gratitude. Life is hard. Many bad things happen. You know this from personal experience. Bad things are happening all over the place. And if they're not happening to you, they're happening to someone you care about. And then when bad things happen, we're in a crisis. We're in a hot mess. And other emotions crowd in. Fear, anxiety, anger, doubt, guilt, uh, even sometimes just empathy. How could I be grateful or, or joyful if someone I care about is getting, uh, life is beating them up? And so uh, gratitude can be pushed aside by the simple thing of how much suffering there is in life. And so that makes it hard. Uh, the second obstacle for gratitude, and we've been hearing so much about this, it's all over the news, is all the things going on in the social media and in the whole media industry. And if you stand in line and you read the celebrity news, so all over the place, you're being told by everybody that, that other people's life is better than your life. They're happier, they're more fulfilled, they're more beautiful, uh, they, they look better than you do, their kids look better than your kids do, and uh, they're more successful than you are. And you begin to feel like, man, my life's really bad, and, and it creates 
envy in us and anxiety in us. And so a lot of the, and you can't get away from it. You can limit it and that's a good thing to do. But so much of the news and the social media stirs up envy and that drives out gratitude. Let's be mindful of that. And then the third obstacle to gratitude I think we should pay attention to is this pervasive cultural emphasis on our rights with a minimal cultural emphasis on our responsibility. In America, right, we've got a Bill of Rights. And I'm glad that we have rights in America. Don't get me wrong, and I'm all in favor of human rights, and, and we shouldn't let our rights get trampled on and all that. But, but when we emphasize so much our rights, we can often feel ungrateful for our blessings. Amen? I got a right to not be treated that way. And then we forget all of the blessings that we have. Um, I recall telling a friend many years ago who had been treated badly, I said, you deserve better treatment than what you're getting here. And I just meant it to be a kind of an empathetic word. And, but she said to me, I don't think it's good for me to look at it that way. And I think it was her way of saying, if I put a big emphasis on how much I don't deserve the treatment I'm getting here, I'm not going to be able to be a grateful person or a very happy person either. And so there was a lot of wisdom. That comment stuck with me. And uh, uh, so those are just a few of the obstacles to gratitude. There's a lot more, but I think it's important to just be aware. Those are the boulders coming at us that make it hard for us to be a grateful people. So where does gratitude come from um, and how do we cultivate gratitude? Well, first, I want to dispel a falsehood about where gratitude comes from. Some people mistakenly think gratitude comes from having a good life or an easy life. When your life is going well, then you'll automatically be a thankful person. But that's not what happens, is it? We've all met people who have very little in the way of material goods or worldly success, and yet they're very thankful and very joyful. And then we've met people who have lots of worldly goods and lots of worldly success, but they're not very grateful and they're not very joyful. So it doesn't happen automatically by having a good life. Here's an important truth to get your mind around. Grateful people and ungrateful people have at least one thing in common. They both have difficult lives. It's foolish to believe the people who are joyful and grateful got that way because their lives have been easy. A Benedictine monk David Stendhal Rost has spoken about uh, the connection between gratitude and happiness. He writes about it as well, and he says this, so it is not happiness that makes us grateful, it is gratefulness that makes us happy. It's not happiness that makes us grateful, it's gratefulness that makes us happy. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul puts those things so closely together in his letter to the Thessalonians, right? Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. Prayer, joy, gratitude all come together so closely. Well, 
if gratitude does not come from having an easy life, where does it come from? Well, a first thing we do to cultivate gratitude is what you're doing here today. Physical participation in Christian worship. Have you noticed that the songs and hymns that we sing in church are about giving thanks to God and praising God? And of course, a lot of times you walk into church on Sunday morning and you're not in a good mood. You're cranky and grumpy and you maybe had a hard week or you're tired or things just didn't go that well. And then we make you sing all these praise songs and and hymns and gratitude to God. And and that's a good thing we do. Thank you, music people, because that... That has a huge impact on our lives. And you'll often notice sometimes you'll feel a little better simply by participating in Christian worship. And if those songs stay with you during the week, what a blessing that is to create gratitude for you. Um, Abraham Joshua Heschel was a, a, a Jewish philosopher and professor, a real giant of the 20th century. And one of his students came to him one time and said, Dr. Heschel, I have a problem with the liturgy. The liturgy that we use in worship does not express what I feel. And Dr. Heschel said, the goal of worship is not for the liturgy to express what you feel, but for you to learn to feel what the liturgy expresses. That's a really important insight about where gratitude comes from. And see, uh, many of the psychological studies of mental and physical benefits of gratitude tell us that to receive the benefits of gratitude, it's not just to feel gratitude inside, but it's the expression of gratitude. That happens when you sing praises to God. That happens when you verbally say thank you to God or to other people. When you write a thank you note to someone else, that seems to be the real kicker for the benefits of gratitude. And you may say, well, Pastor Jim, isn't that being phony? No, that's being obedient to God who tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. And you might even say, Pastor Jim, I've been coming to church 50 years and I'm still a grumpy, ungrateful, unjoyful person. Well, studies tend to show that you might be up to 20% more of a grumpy and cranky person (laughs) if you didn't come to church. So keep, keep it up. It's helping. It really is helping, even if you don't feel it. Well, um, the second way that we can cultivate gratitude are these intentional personal expressions of thanksgiving, especially for the simple things in life. That's why we say grace at mealtimes. Hopefully you can even have simple prayers, right? Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Simple prayers like that make us mindful of the blessings that are part of life that we might forget if we didn't stop to say thank you, God. That puts us in touch with God and radiates out to other parts of our lives for the bigger blessings. Sometimes after I finish a workout at my 24-hour fitness gym, I just have to drive only about another minute and a half down the road, and I can... um, go to the In-N-Out Burger afterwards. And 
And I know, doesn't he know that cancels out the workout to go there? That's, but this is a, a sermon about gratitude, not about self-control, right? But I get there and I, and I sit down with my burger and my fries and my lemonade and I just stop to bow my head and I say, thank you, God. Thank you for the farmers. I have a brother-in-law that's a farmer. They work so hard. Thank you for the farmers and the truck drivers and the food processors and the people that prepared this food. Thanks that I got the money to buy the food. Doesn't cost very much, but I'm still thankful I could do that. And you know, we become more aware of all supply chains during COVID. That's real people. It's a lot of robots, but there's a lot of real people. We want to be thankful for all the people that help us with everything we consume and everything that we have. And so that's an important thing for us to do. And here's the thing. You could be just as grateful for an In-N-Out burger as you can for a filet mignon over at the Roots Chris Steakhouse. Because it's not so much the outer circumstance that is the key, it's the inner gratitude that you bring to the table that makes the difference. Uh, a member of the Chula Vista Presbyterian Church I was talking to, I worked there many years ago, but I remember he said he was part of an AA recovery group, but he says, part of my recovery is every night I get out my little notebook and I write a very short thank you letter to God. And I, and I just try to name three things I'm thankful for about the day. And that's a, that's a good thing to do. They, I, I, a lot of studies have shown that simply saying thank you to God for three simple things every day can have a huge impact on your, your mental health and well-being. Writing them down for some of you that are journalers is a, a really good tangible way to do that. All right, third way to cultivate gratitude is and it's a little more complicated, but I'll give you an example, is to frame your life in the larger narrative of God's providential care for creation. To frame your life in the larger narrative of God's providential care for creation. Let me tell you what, what I mean. Uh, some of you may know my, my oldest uh, granddaughter, Nora. She's nine years old now. But when she was very young, she was diagnosed with an a, a extremely rare condition, but it, it meant uh, intractable epilepsy. Uh, she's non-ambulatory, non-verbal. She gets all of her food and medicine through a G-tube to her stomach and frequent times in the hospital and lots of difficult things in, in, in taking care of Nora for our family. Um, but we know from Romans 8.28, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And over the years, I have seen God at work in Nora's life in surprising and profound ways that I never would have expected when I was in the grief of that initial diagnosis that we got about her. And when things get hard, I've been able to pray a simple prayer. Thank you, God, that Nora is fulfilling your purpose for her life. It took me a long time to get to that simple prayer. Thank you, God, that Nora is fulfilling your purpose for her life. Is it hard? Yes, it is. Every, she's been on hospice for most of her life, and every time she goes in the hospital, I just feel like our whole family life is turned upside down. But... When I stop and pray that simple prayer, 
It's helping to frame all of our lives in that larger story of God's providential care for all of us. And so whatever hard circumstances you may be going through, can you find a way to a simple prayer of thanks to God? Not for the circumstances. The circumstances are are terrible that we go through. But can you thank God in those? Can you thank God through those? What might that simple prayer look like for you? Well, let me circle back and end with a a question that Psalm 50 may raise for some of you. And uh, C.S. Lewis wrestles with this question in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. And he says, why is God always asking us to praise him and thank him? Is God some kind of a megalomaniac that he needs our gratitude and our thanksgiving all the time? And that at the risk of you thinking me a small and petty person, I will share a little illustration to get toward the answer to this. When I cook a meal for my wife Elizabeth and me, uh, not so much when I cook for a larger group or bigger chunk of the family, but when I just cook for the two of us, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I am looking for her to say thank you to me. And if she doesn't, I know you're going to go, this guy's so petty and small. I say, honey, you know, you didn't say thank you. Well, she says, but I told you the meal was good. And I say, yeah, but it's not the same thing. I want to hear thank you, right? And you may say, why does he do that? He is a small and petty person. And and I very well might be. But our God is not small. Our God is not petty. Our God says, I have everything I need. He's all sufficient. He pours out grace upon grace to us all the time. So then why does God call us to say thank you? Well, the one part of me that's not small and petty, there is a little bit over here that is this. I don't want my wife and me to take each other for granted. Because it's so easy for us to take the people we love for granted. It's easy for us to take the God that we love for granted. And I think what God is saying is say thank you as a way to say don't take me for granted. And that's not because God is small and petty, but it's because God knows that it's only in our love relationship with God by, be, uh, that, that by loving God that we find joy and peace and fulfillment and flourishing in our own lives. God calls us to that life of gratitude and God calls us to that life of loving him in all circumstances. And um, this uh, God is one who uh, is here for us and calls us uh, to, to be available in those simple ways of saying, thank you, God. Well, gratitude is good for us and all of our relationships. Uh, Gratitude is a response to the goodness of what God has done for us. Gratitude doesn't come naturally, but gratitude is certainly something we can cultivate and grow in each and every day. So rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Well, even as Jim's words are settling down into your minds, 
I know that they are inviting you to consider your own gratitude. And one of the ways that we're grateful is that we have a faith that has come to us from ages past. And now and then, it's good for us to affirm that together. Will you please stand and let's affirm our faith together. This is from the Heidelberg Catechism from a long time ago, but the words still ring true. Let me pose this question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? But belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of evil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him.
And now may the love of the Lord Jesus draw us to himself. May the power of the Lord Jesus strengthen us in his service. And may the joy of the Lord Jesus fill our souls. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and abide with you now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.